Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we still be in that slough of despond without you this morning. We still be sinking deeper and deeper. But we lifted out our hands and looked in your eyes. And you took hold of it and dragged us out. Just as you did Peter from the water, you took us out of the slower despond. You took us away from our sin and saved us and set us on the rock. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's what he's done this morning. Hallelujah. I want to talk... Uh, yesterday, Lydia had a little word, and I have a word today. And the word is pattern. Now, Alan knows about patterns because he had pattern makers. I don't know whether they had them when you were younger, who would make things out of wood so that you could make the parts for the car. And they would make them very carefully. But the chap who taught me to do carpentry, well, he said, we're not, because I only did a, a six-month course, he said, we're not here to actually make you carpenters. We're here to make you look like carpenters. <laughs> so you look like, what, look like you know what you're doing when you go, on to, when you go out. <laughs> Because he'd spent many, many years, and he, you know, being a pattern maker, he'd obviously quite a skillful man. In Hebrews 9, we speak, we see that God showed us the old, in the Old Testament a pattern of heaven. That was the Ark of the Covenant and the whole of the, all the law, all that lot, which was at the, the tabernacle in the wilderness, says in Hebrews 9, was a pattern in heaven. And on the earth are what's in heaven. That's what he said, and so it, that was what it was there to show them. They, they made a law out of it and didn't realise what they had, that it was a pattern of Jesus, and it's such a wonderful picture. But Paul also says that his teaching in 2 Timothy 1.13 was a pattern, a, a template, a pattern of teaching, a form, a pattern of teaching. Don't leave, he said, don't leave my pattern of teaching because there's people going to come in. Don't leave that pattern of teaching. That's in 2 Timothy 1.13. In, in Philippians 3, we'll look at some of these. There's lots of verses today, so you'll have lots of... You'll run out of pencil probably by the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> or, and, and time. 2 Philippians... So Philippians 3. Ephesians, Philippians 3. 14 and 17. Right, it says that I, he talks about pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any other thing you otherwise is minded, God will reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me. Be a, I'm a pattern, be a follower of me. What an incredible thing for someone to say. Be a follower of me. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians 3, he says it again. Just turn over. See, Jesus says to follow him, and that's the one we follow. But because Paul was following Jesus, and he had such a revelation of Jesus, he was able to say that we're to follow us. He says that in 2 Thessalonians 3, I'm looking at Timothy, which won't do very good. Seven to nine. For ye yourselves know, 3, 2, 2 Thessalonians 3, 7, for 
you selves know how we ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. And he talks about the way he, he lived. And he said, you want to follow us? Follow the way we live. In 1 Corinthians 4, he says a very similar thing. Fifteen to sixteen. Fifteen to sixteen. For though we have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers in Christ Jesus. And that's true. There's so many teachings out there. I was talking to somebody about it only a few days ago, and I said, "All this teaching they have, and there's so much of it. We have it coming out of our ears, and the church still ain't changed a lot. Has is it? We still this. The world isn't changed." And the church isn't really changed into a fiery church for Christ, like we were, Lydia was talking about last night. So many teachers out there, but he says, you haven't got many fathers in the faith. 15 and 16. Where are we? Sorry. I've lost my place. Four. I have begot for, so for, in Christ, for not many fathers in, the gospel, in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel, wherein I beseech you, be you followers of me. And for this reason I sent you Timothy, <laughs> because he follows me. And I want you to, that's why I'm sending you Timothy, because he'll have, he'll have the, he has the same heart. So we're, Paul says to be a followers of him in the way he lived. And then we're going to go back to a verse now, which we, we've done at the Bible study. And I would really encourage you this is where it really started with me. In 1 Timothy 1, which we read, we, we studied last week. I was talking to a lady. We were at, at the, uh, I can't remember if it was her, her home, but she lives not far from us, and she goes to quite a, oh, an Anglican church. And she said, oh, I love the story of Paul. She, you know, she lives, I love this bit where God meets him and this and the other. She lives, I love it. And I felt like saying... Well, you can have it as well. You can have it too. It's not just for Paul. But she was so excited about what happened for Paul, but, I don't, you know, but it wasn't obviously the right time to say anything. But you say, when he talks, when he says, he, he thanks Jesus in verse 12, who enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it in unbelief, ignorantly in unbelief. The grace of the law was exceedingly abundant, or super abundant, the grace was towards me, with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am a chief. Howbeit, for this cause, I obtain mercy. This is the reason he said, okay, I obtain mercy. That in me, first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to live life everlasting. Paul says his conversion and what God did in his life was a pattern to all the people around that this is what can happen to you. You see, because I hadn't got this... If I'd had this verse then, I might have been able to say something because she was quite, she was she's one of the readers in the Anglican church, so she knows her Bible a bit. 
But I, had, I thought, well, I've got, to have a ver- I've got to have somewhere to say to link what I'm saying. But this is what it says. Paul said, my life, what happened to me, is a pattern. Just the same as the, the, the temple was a pattern of what was happening in heaven, Paul says, my life is a pattern for what Christian life should be like. So if, if you align your life and look at, it, look at the things in Paul's life and see what happened to him, we can see whether our life is living up to the pattern which God set. Now, I'm not saying that you'll have the same ministry. That's a different thing. Because he's talking about what God did to him, where he took him from being absolutely against God in an instant. He changed his life and turned it completely round, absolutely in a, in a, a, a flash. When that flash came from heaven, it changed him instantly. God met him. So we're going to look at these and in what ways are we, we can put our lives and look at it. Now we're going to start right at the very beginning and I know you'll go along with me and say, yes, I've been there, I've been at this bit and I've been at that bit. But I bet we get to a point where I got to where I think, I ain't quite got there yet. <laughs> so you might, be, you might stumble at the first bit. The first thing that he found was we've just read that he was a chief sinner. The first thing that happens is that we get convicted of sin. When the light comes on, sin has shown up. Isn't it? That's what happens. It says when the Holy, the Holy Ghost comes to convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. That's the first thing that happens to us. We get convicted that God's holy and we're not. He says, you were kicking against the pricks in Acts 9. We'll look at Acts 9 in a little bit because there's some bits in there. But he said, you were kicking against the pricks. That means he was kicking against a gourd which had spikes on it. And every time he kicked it, it's like having a football with nails sticking out of it. Every time he kicked it, it hurt him. Every time he kicked against this Jesus, it hurt him. So he got more and more angry and more and more upset. It stirred him up because... He was being convicted that something inside, right deep down inside, something was happening to him that caused him to be so angry. It was the conviction of the Holy Ghost. So if your friends, when you start talking about Jesus, they start getting really upset, and you know something's going on. You know the Holy Ghost is on the work. That the person gets stirred up. They don't back off. Well, back off when as the Holy Ghost does, but you know. So that's the holy. The second thing was, let's look in 1 Timothy 1 14, it says, But the grace of the law was exceedingly abundantly with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. It says that he was saved by faith, through, by grace through faith, and that not of himself. He was saved, that's number two. The first is conviction of sin, the second one, he becomes saved. He believes on Christ. That's the second thing that happened to Paul. In, um, he, he was changed completely, wasn't he? Absolutely. God met him and he was completely and utterly changed. And he, he saw that he needed Christ because he said, it's you, Lord. That was a, so in Corinthians, in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, we see a, a, a lovely little picture of Paul talking about when God comes in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. And if we link it to where we've just been, he says, I don't fight. He said, God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. 
lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, should, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ our Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts. <laughs> To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. He shone, that light shone in Paul's heart. And he's come and shone in our hearts. So to give the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Wonderful. That's a wonderful thing that's happened to us. God has shone in our hearts. We were in darkness and now we're in light. It's a wonderful thing. Maybe this hasn't happened to you. Maybe, you're, maybe you're, we haven't got that far yet. The next thing that happened, let's, look, let's go to Acts 9, because this is where he talks, where it's explained in the, in the book what happened to Paul. Well, we, I'll just read the little story, shall we, and then we'll we know where we're going. Um, when he, Paul was going off to Damascus, which is 150 miles away, so he's got, it's quite a journey. He's off, off there because he's, he's caused enough havoc around. He thinks he's going off for somewhere else now and cause a bit more havoc in the church. And he came to Damascus and there shined a light round about him, a light from heaven. That was the light that shone in his heart. And he says, he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why you persecute me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he, the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the bricks. And he and he trembled, was astonished. He said, Lord what, what, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said to me, Arise, go to the city, and it shall be told you what must do. And in verse 15, Ananias comes to him and he said, The Lord, the, the, well, he doesn't come to him, the Lord speaks to Ananias in verse 15. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings. So he's a chosen vessel by God. And we are chosen vessels just like Paul was a chosen vessel. It says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. We're chosen vessels for the job that God has called us to do. And so that's, and Paul got on with the job. He got on with it immediately. Didn't he? He started pretty, straight away he got on with the job. And so when God calls us to do the job, then we better get on with what he's called us to do. So we might not have a ministry like Paul, probably won't, but you've still got a ministry in God. And that's the pattern. God calls you for a purpose. You're not, your life is not purposeless like people out there. Their, their life is full of, well, I'm, I just want to come and enjoy myself, and they have to keep trying to find things to fill their life up, football and the tennis and other stuff on the telly, this, all the stuff, all the stuff people fill their lives up with because they're purposeless lives. But we have a purpose. We've been called, just like Paul, for a purpose of God, which he wants us to fulfil. And he'll let us know what it is. If we're open to him, he'll let us know what it is. He might be different, completely different to what you think. Paul wasn't ever thinking about going preaching the gospel, was he? <laughs> that was the last thing. <laughs> that was what God... God got him. He was, he was expecting to stay, you know, in the, in, mostly in Jerusalem and all, you know, the whole of his life debating. In the, but God had got a hold of him, turned him round, changed his life completely. So he, 
This, this is called the Lordship of Christ. Because when he saw him, he said, Lord, didn't he? Who are you, Lord? Straight away, it was Lord. In 9.6, in nine, he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And th- this, this is what God does to us. He changes us. So that he, instead of us saying, what do I want to do today? What do you want, Lord, today? The attitude of Paul was, what does he want? Like, if you look at 1 Timothy 1, which we looked at earlier on, just at the beginning, I'll just read a couple of these. They're everywhere. At the beginning, I love reading the little introductions of Paul. Because they, they, they're a little window into his, his heart. Every time, in 1 Timothy, which we learned earlier on, he said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Saviour. See, he was commanded. He was under, he saw that Jesus was Lord of his life. And he commanded him that he was going to do. In, um, in Philippians 1, we could look at almost any one of them, but I just picked a few out. Philippians 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ. A servant. In Romans 1, I think he says, don't we look at it? Romans 1, 1, a servant. Or there's another one which talks about him being a slave. A slave, a bond slave, a bond servant of Christ. So that was his heart. Lord, what will you have me to do? You see. Romans 8, we love that verse. For all things work together for good to them who are called. He doesn't work together for good out there, and it doesn't work together for good for those who are walking away from God. He works together for those who are called according to his purpose. See, we're called according to his purpose. So he comes the Lord, and, if, and uh, Lydia last night was saying we, we lose all our auto- autonomy. We, don't, we haven't got any. We give up. Our, when we become a Christian, we don't have any autonomy anymore. We, never, we don't make any decisions for ourselves. He makes all the decisions for us. Well, that's, that's quite a nice, you know, one, that's a frightening place to be because we're used to making decisions for ourselves. We're used to being in control of our lives. But it's a safer place to be under God's control. And I, we've all got to learn this. We all have to learn, Lord, you be in control. You're the Lord of my life. What she said was true, and I've said it before. We don't make Jesus Lord, we just accept that he is Lord. Because we can't make him Lord, because it's impossible for us to do that, because we can't do it, because, it's a, it's because we just can't do it, because of our old nature, the way we are. But he is already Lord. He's already Lord. We just say, Lord, I just submit unto you. He's always been Lord. Wonderful Jesus. Paul said in, one, in Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ. That's the life. For me to live as Christ. That should be your life. This is, the, this is the pattern for me to live as Christ. That's the pattern, Paul said. To die is to gain. But we seem to spend all our time trying not to die. <laughs> or, or try not to look like we're going to die. <laughs> trying to make ourselves look young. And these people all look young, but then they still keel over and die. It's to do what's inside you, you see. It's the life inside, not what you do to the outside.
In Acts 9, if we go back to Acts again, back to the little story, I should have put a note in there, shouldn't I? There we go, we'll be right. <laughs> Paul was a new creation. In Acts 9, it says, let's look at 19 and 20, when he received meat, he was strengthened. Then Paul was certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. And they were all completely amazed. Because this man was a new creation. God had done something, he changed his heart. From being angry and against Jesus, he was completely for him. He switched completely 180 degrees from against to for. Completely, 100%. Because he said, for me to live is Christ. He's been changed. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, if a many man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Just like Paul. We're new creation. We've been changed from what we were to something else. Completely and utterly different. A whole new motivation of life. A whole new a new life. He says in, uh, in Ephesians 2 that we are his workmanship. We are. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. A new creation. Just like Paul. What happened to Paul happens to us. The pattern is that we become like Paul from the worst of sinners to the best of saints. Because that's what God does with our lives. Isn't that incredible? That's the pattern that we have in our lives. That he's done it. He's done it. <laughs> he's done it for us. We become a new creation. We become led by the Spirit. What happened in, in verse 12? He said, um, the Lord said unto to, this is Ananias, and there's a man in, in Damascus called Ananias, and he said, the Lord spoke to him in a vision, and he said, Ananias. <clears throat> and Ananias said, behold, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, arise, go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prays. I bet he was. <laughs> he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Now here we have an interesting thing. Here we have a blind man seeing. Before he was a seeing man, he was blind. Wasn't he? He was blind to who Jesus was. But now he's a blind man seeing because he says he's had a vision. And that's what happens. We were blind, but now we have a vision. And our vision is him. Today we have a vision, and Paul walked by the Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. The whole, lots and lots of places. Because in Joel 2.28, he talks about the young men having, the old men having dreams, and the young men having visions. You see, that's when the Holy Spirit comes upon our lives, that's what happens. We begin to see things we could never see before. That's the pattern. We become aware of the Holy Spirit. We become aware of spiritual things. We become aware of what God's doing. 
around our lives, we begin to see things we'd never seen before. We think, but how could I not have seen before? It's like a blind person, can't you? You can un understand what colours are. But when you, when you have a sight, it's amazing. How do you explain it? You can't explain it to anybody. I remember when, when the Holy Ghost fell upon me, it was like everything suddenly became bright and cheerful. Everything. <laughs> you think, well, it was all like that before, wasn't it? No, it's because the light's inside you. The light has shone in your heart. And you can start seeing. So you become a blind man seeing, blind to this world, but seeing God. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? That's what God does. That's the pattern of what God does in our lives, in Paul's life. He's, he, if you look in Acts 16, we see this in, in action. Sixteen verses six. Oh, where should we, where should we start? So he's going through many different cities in verse four, and they were ordaining apostles and elders. And so were the churches established in the faith, and they increased in number daily. This is what the ch the church. And then he said, and when they're gone throughout Phrygia the region of Galatia. They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they come to, to Messiah, they say to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passed into Mysteria, and they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed to him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, he immediately we endeavoured to go unto Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So there's a number of things that the Holy Spirit stopped them. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He moves us around, he stops us from doing this, tells us to do that. It's not always in a vision, but sometimes it is in a vision. And Paul had this vision, but also the Holy Spirit in him prevented him from doing the thing that he, he, they fought to do. And this wasn't things that were wrong. This was preaching the gospel in certain different places and setting up churches. But he said, no, I don't want you going here. And he kept moving him on. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. He talks to us. He talks to us. It says, my sheep hear my voice. He said, I lead them out. I lead them in, I lead them out. Because... He's God, he, and he wants us to listen. We were singing the song, open my ears, Lord, teach me to hear. Teach me to see in the Spirit. Yeah. And we all need to do that. Yeah. So, you know, now maybe you're getting to a point now, you're thinking, I haven't quite got to this bit. <laughs> I've, I've got as far as this bit, but I'm not quite here. But this is the pattern that God has shown that you can have in your life. Because that's the pattern of Paul's life. That we can have it too. It's not just for those in, in ministry, it's for everyone. All the gifts and the work, all the things of the Holy Spirit are for the work of the Holy Spirit. They're for everyone. We, we are to be led by the Spirit of God. It says those who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. We're led by the Spirit of God because God's in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And he opens up the way. And no more are we stumbling around in darkness. 
And sometimes he seems to turn off the light. And we have to go along in faith that God knows where he's taking us. But that doesn't last for very long because he always comes along eventually and turns the light back on because he wants to see whether we can trust him, that nothing's happening, like she was saying last night. We have to keep trusting God when the promise has been going on for a long time and we still haven't got it. We still have to carry on trusting God because he's a loving God and he cares and looks for us. We go back to Acts 9. Many people complain that, that, um, that when we sing songs, we all should only sing songs that affirm what we have and we're saying, there were this and that. And this. But there are many play times when we want to say, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? We want to know, not that song says, I want to know him. Who are you, Lord? So it is true that lots and lots of things which are in the scripture, which people say, we have that, we're seated in heavenly places. But we have to step into them. There's a reality. There's no point just saying you're there and you're not really there. There's a thing that God we puts in us, so we have a desire to say, who are you, Lord? Inside us. Who are you? I want to know you. It's an ongoing revelation of Jesus. Paul says that I might know him. Now, who of all the apostles would know Christ? But he still says, I want to know him. There's something deeper I want to know him. Not just the, the power of his resurrection, but the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to feel what you feel. Not just the glory, but the Garden of Gethsemane too. The suffering. The suffering for people who ain't in. The suffering of what Jesus might be feeling for people. The compassion. They said in one place, to his family, he said, the man, he's gone mad. Jesus has gone completely mad. He hasn't even time to sit down to eat. So much, he had so much compassion for people. He, he forgot about himself completely. He just thought about what Father wanted for people. And he had just such compassion. And that's what happens when we... We, um, we want to know him. Let's, let's read a bit in Ephesians 1, 17. So it's not wrong to want to have more desire, to say, I, I feel I haven't got enough. I want to have more of you. Because he has given us all things in Christ Jesus. And when he said it is finished on the cross, the job jolly well was finished. But there is a stepping into the things of God. There's an opening up of laying our lives down daily and taking up our cross and following him. There is, to, to know him. It's, a, it's the most wonderful thing, and to be in his presence. And he sometimes takes his presence away and he says, because I want to draw you further. When, 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 we, when we were going out, my wife, we, my wife Lusty lived in, down in Somerset, so it was a whole week phone calls <laughs> but because absence if you love someone makes the heart grow fonder and so sometimes he draws away from us so he says well you're going to come after me you're going to come after me you're going to carry on following me <laughs> Lord I still want you whatever happens 
Even if you slay me, I'll still love you. Still worship you. Whatever happens. Ephesians 1. You see, in in the beginning of Ephesians, he tells us all our positions in Christ Jesus. Then he says in verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us? Ward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wore in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at fate at the right hand in heavenly places. You see, he wants us to know him. There's a a continual wanting to know who are you Lord who are you and that would be, always be a cry in our hearts while we're here on earth we're still saying who are you because he's so immense so incredible and so far above us in that little book he says he's other he's just other and we want to know him And the Holy Spirit wants us to know him. He wants to reveal Jesus to us. So there always will be in your heart this thing. Who are you, Lord? I want to know you more. I want to know more about you. And that's not a wrong thing, saying you're lacking. I need you, Lord. I need you more. That's not a wrong thing. Because all we're saying is, I'm here, you're there. I want to know you more. Just acknowledging your lack of understanding of him and saying, Lord, I just, that's the way it is. But I want to know more of you because it's more of you to happen. We have only, it's like having, we've only taken a teaspoon of a, of a sea of him. He's so much bigger. He's so immense. Everything about him is eternal. His love's eternal. His power's eternal. His grace is eternal. His mercy's eternal. His provisions are eternal. Everything about him is eternal. He, can, he completely can do anything all the time and be different every day of the life, every day for eternity and still come up with something new. That's our God. He's so massive and so incredible and we, that's where we should be. We should be wanting to know him, spending time knowing him, wanting to know him. That's one of the patterns of someone who's been truly born because Paul was like that. I want to know him. I want to know him. In Acts 9, let's go back to Acts 9 and see another bit of the pattern. So we've had a pattern of a conviction of sin, of being saved by faith, having the lordship of Christ, being a new creation, being led by the Spirit, having a desire to know him. In Acts 9.17. And Ias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee have sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
and immediately there fell from his eyes it had been scales and received sight forthwith arose and was baptized and he went and sought, uh, got strength and then he went and preached the gospel before he went off and went into Arabia he was filled with the Holy Ghost <laughs> that's a pattern for all of us to be filled with the Holy Ghost so that you might become witnesses it says in Acts 1 it says when the Holy Ghost comes you shall be witnesses to me I'll make you witnesses because I've come into your life in such a powerful way that you've been so transformed that you'll be a witness and when you start speaking when you're full of the Holy Ghost then conviction will come on other people and then they'll start this, this pattern of their life in Christ Jesus he wants us to be witnesses in 26, 16 we, he, we, Paul is relating what happened to him he says uh, in, well he says we go through the story again um, we've, we've, I heard a voice speaking to me saying in a Hebrew tongue small soul why persecute you me it's hard for you to kick against the pricks and the Lord said who are you Lord and he said I'm Jesus whom thou persecutes rise and stand upon thy feet for I have appeared unto you for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which you have seen and of those things to which I will appear unto you did you know in Galatians he talked about the Holy Jesus being revealed in him by the, by the work of the Holy Spirit. He brought about the revelation of God coming upon his life because the Holy Ghost was in him. Remember he says, I didn't go to anybody to find any of this out. I got it from him. You see, and this is why Paul told the people, Lord, follow my life. Because he knew what God had done in his life was so real and was so transforming that he wants other people to experience the same thing. And he wants each of us to experience the same thing. He wants us to become witnesses. In Acts 19.11 he says, Paul did special miracles, unusual miracles. Because that's, where he, that's what God had that was a witness. The miracles were the witness. And John says, I've, sh I've told you these things about these signs, so you might know who Jesus is. The witness of the miracles is the witness who Jesus is, and what you're saying is the truth. And he wants, he becomes, the Holy Ghost comes upon you, God moves through you and causes people to know and have a witness that what you're saying is true. So you, everyone in this room, can be filled with the Holy Ghost. It says, in, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Speak, speaking and singing in psalms and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's where he wants us all to be, to be so full. Paul was like that when he sang in the, in the prison. Because the Holy Ghost, the life of God in him, he'd been so transformed he couldn't sit down almost because of the life of God that had been gone. And he is a pattern for all of us. He's not an exceptional person. He's the rule. He's the pattern for every one of us. That God says, you can be like this too. Now, I'm not saying you'll have special miracles, but for you, there'll be special miracles. You can have special miracles in your life. 
unusual things happening with you. And you can become a witness by God. So he, that's what he wants us to have a pattern. The pattern is that we have, were sinners and he saved us. He convicted us and he saved us by faith. We made him Lord, just like Paul did. We realised he made us a new creation. He did it. And that we can be led by the Holy Ghost. We can love him and want more of him and we can be full of the Holy Ghost. And we can seek, he told people to seek those spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because it was said it's important, so I speak in tongues more than you all. Wish you all spake in tongues. That's, that's his heart. His heart for us is to know the living God. And so that's why he said, my life's a pattern. Because he was so excited about what God had done for him that he said, you can have it too. It's not an exception. It's the rule. It's not an exception. It's not beyond anything that we can experience. Because he wants us to come into a real experience of his Holy Ghost and his life just like Paul did. And it can happen for you, because it happened for him, who was a chief of sinners. It can happen for you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.